I can see you now, Marge. Hold on. Hold I can see you. Yay! <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to the online radio voice of the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. We're here at the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak, and we are here, of course, at Tom's World Language Cafe, because if it's Wednesday and it's 9 o'clock our time and 11 o'clock Indy time, we are with Tom. He is the mover and shaker of second language learning, not only in the United States of America, but in the world. So, Tom, how are you this morning? Thank you, Marge. I'm fine. I'm coming to you from Avon, Indiana, where it's rainy, wet, and I think we have a flash flood warning for today. So, um, it's not a sunny day yet, but another two days. So, we still are in our rainy mode. And um, welcome to everybody, and I would like to welcome you to the Tom's World Language Cafe where we talk about everything related to world languages that we can think of and we have some really neat guests and today uh, is no exception to the rule and we have uh, today uh, a guest who is uh, out in Dallas, Texas. My goodness. Here, there, and, uh, and that is Susan Wren. Susan is the um, world language uh, supervisor for the uh, Louisville School District which is uh, in, in Dallas, Texas. And, well, before uh, you go on, Tom, basically you're having rain, we just had snow, and I think Susan's having a drought. So if we could just give you a little bit of our water, Susan, that would be wonderful. Yeah. And if you would Actually, give a little bit of our uh, few other things like uh, charm and uh, salsa music would be just absolutely fine, too. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So, Susan, <laughs> welcome uh, from Dallas. and. Uh, You'll Thank notice you. Susan's accent is uh, remarkably different than my accent, and from Marge's, by the way. And uh, whatever do you mean, Tom? Well, I I just thought maybe you were from New York. I'm only kidding, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Susan's going to talk to us a little bit about um, um, where she works at uh, in, in Texas, what her job entails, and about her school district. Uh, and some of the programs going on, really neat programs under the direction of Susan Wren. Susan, so take it away and just talk about anything you'd like to talk about related to that topic for the moment. Okay. Well, yes, I'm the World Language Coordinator here in Louisville Independent School District, and we are north of Dallas. We're a suburb. Um, this is my seventh year in this position. And Tom had mentioned about the programs that we have. We have 88 foreign language teachers, world language teachers, ranging from K to 12. Um, unfortunately, nowadays, I only have two at the elementary level. We don't have very many there. That's gone down over the years. But we do have quite a few programs at the middle and high school level. We have Spanish is our main language, especially being here in Texas. We also offer French, German, Latin, and American Sign Language. And next year, we're going to have an online Chinese program. So we're working on that right now. We have, at the middle school level, Spanish 1, 
adding Spanish to next year. We also have for our native Spanish speakers or any student who is proficient in Spanish, levels two, three, and four AP. So our eighth grade native speaker students take the AP exam with the high school kids uh, next Tuesday, as a matter of fact. And they will be able to get their four years of high school foreign language credit and college credit all at once. So that's pretty neat and that's been pretty successful. We've added schools to that each year. And then we have um, American Sign Language. We have three American Sign Language teachers in our district, levels one through four. We're looking at adding more of those next year because that program has just expanded exponentially. And we have, as I said, Latin, French, and German, several of those teachers, and then the majority being Spanish teachers that we go up through level five on all of those, le on all of those languages. That's, uh, that's outstanding. Uh, is Plano, Texas very far from you? It's next door to in, us. In Plano, once upon a time, uh, they had a Russian program. Do you know if that's still in, in force? No, it is not. In fact, I oh, think around the Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, maybe Dallas is the only one that still has Russian, maybe Fort Worth. Of course, they're the two biggest districts. Correct. Yeah. Right. But one of the teachers there uh, studied with me in Moscow, and uh, she was dynamic. I'm really sorry oh. that that's not a, the case, but well, let's hope that it returns. Susan, yeah. how many uh, students are in in the Louisville School uh, District? We have about 51,000. We have five high schools, two ninth grade campuses, adding a third one next year, uh, 15 middle schools, and 40 elementary schools. So you keep really busy. Now, what what do you do every day? Just a typical day, because people are probably saying, "I wonder what a world language coordinator does every um, day." World a world language coordinator puts out lots of fires a lot so um, right now this morning I've been working on a Spanish 2 credit by exam because I'm also in charge of the acceleration exams for our world language programs and credit by exams uh, I also next week have three days of curriculum writing going on for different languages and levels we do district-wide final exams for all of our languages, for French, German, and Latin, of course, that includes four parts, speaking, listening, reading, and writing. Uh, for Latin, it's got a translation in the reading. And for American Sign Language, it's got an expressive and receptive um, parts, two parts. We also, I also am involved in roundtable discussions at each of the campuses, once each fall, once in the fall and once in the spring. Those are just for me to go and meet with the teachers and see how our curriculum-based assessments are going, our performance-based assessments are going, what do we need to work on, what's good, what's not so good, that sort of thing. Just more of a one-on-one -on -one type opportunity for the teachers. We, uh, and as I mentioned, the curriculum-based assessments and the performance-based assessments are the newest things we're working on. The curriculum-based assessments are a little Oh, 20 question quizzes that we get once each nine weeks. We're on accelerated block here, so one semester is one year of a language. And those are just for us to check up and see, make sure everybody's on the same page across the district, see how things are going. 
And then, of course, the performance-based assessments. We've always had some form of that, but we're adding to what we've already done so that we have one speaking and writing performance-based assessment each nine weeks also. Um, I provide professional learning opportunities for the teachers. We have an annual middle school Spanish contest that I coordinate. Um, let's see, I have to work with the principals to keep them updated on what's going on. I have to oversee the textbook adoptions and make sure that the teachers are getting all of their ancillaries and books every fall and every spring. I interview candidates for teaching positions, although these days we're not hiring too many with budget cuts. Um, let's see, I take care of in-service, new teacher orientation, <laughs> and right now, this year and last year, I'm um, and next year, I'm president of the Texas Association of Language Supervision, so that's keeping me busy, too. So, lots to do. Um, a question on the... Uh in Texas, is it is there a requirement that students have to study at least one year in high school of, of foreign language? Two years. Two yes. years, okay, two yes. years. To get the recommended diploma, all students have to have at least two years of world languages. If they want to go for three years, that is what they need for the Distinguished Achievement Diploma. <laughs> there is a minimum diploma for those students that are oh, as we say, arted out, you know, by a committee or something that they just can't handle the language part of it. They can get a minimum diploma. But 99% go for the at least the recommended. Now, is the um, uh, it's person, a young person, recent graduate, an education major, language major, wants to teach in your district or in Texas? Uh, maybe from another state would like to go to Texas where there is a requirement for world language study, right? Which is kind yeah. of positive and uh, much very positive, actually. We don't have that in Indiana, unfortunately. So uh, suppose someone goes there. What is it like to, to teach? Is there a, 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 like a five-year tenure law? Is there tenure still available? Uh, how does that work? Um, tenure really in Texas has never been available. Okay. For the most part, teachers are on uh, probation for the first three years. They get one-year contracts each year, and after that, I think most school districts do two-year contracts, what they call term contracts, and that's pretty much what I've had all these 37 years that I've been involved in it. Hmm. So the 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 teacher then is is uh, evaluated by the performance of the students pretty much or um, how does that yeah. work? Yes, they get evaluated by the assistant principals and it is based on the student, well, student performance in the class. We do not have, we have state tests, testing in Texas, but not for world languages. They have it for the other content areas, the English, math, science, social studies. They actually tried it back in the 90s for world languages, and uh, apparently they didn't know what they were getting themselves in for because nobody considered how long it would take to listen to tapes of kids speaking and reading all of the essays. And they took the test in April, and in September they were still grading them. 
So they actually finally just kind of said, okay, never mind for world languages. We're not going to worry about them. But, uh, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, the um, so if, if some young teacher out there listening is in another state, obviously mm -hmm. your school district is quite good and quite interested in world languages because uh, your program is really impressive, what you, you told us about. And not only is it impressive, it's impressive that your school district has a, a world language coordinator uh, yes. to, to oversee and help with this wonderful program. And that doesn't happen everywhere either around the country. Right. So unfortunately, again, and maybe hopefully we could get more of that going on in other states where uh, we have the world language coordinator. And I know you do a remarkable job. And I've heard people uh, tell me about all the great work you do in Texas. And, and it, especially what you just said about the coordination, the motivation, how you work with the teachers. And that really is a is a help in, in this day and age and to keep the young people on, on, on task, on course, so that they stay in the profession, right? And that's really yeah. important. And Susan, may yeah. I ask this question? Uh, what prepared you for this job? <laughs> Probably what helped me with this job was being department chair before I got it, because that kind of helped me prepare to look at the overall, all, all of the languages. The, previously, I, I was a Spanish teacher for 30 years, and that was my life, you know. But when I became department chair at the last, at one of the high schools here where I was teaching, of course, I had to start thinking about French and German and Latin and all of those other languages. And then our curriculum coordinator that we had here, who was Greta Lungard, who is now the Plano coordinator, and she is also the president of our National Association of District Supervisors of Foreign Language. Um, Greta took over Loretta Garcia Williams' job in Plano, and she called me and said, okay, get your resume together. I've just turned in my resignation. So she and I worked also, and she was a wonderful mentor to me, especially my first year. She continues to be, but she helped me a lot and I think it did help that I had already been in the district for six years before I took over this position so I knew a lot of the teachers we had worked together on committees I've always been one of those people that volunteers to be on committees because I felt like I couldn't complain about anything if I didn't have a say in it and I didn't want to be one of those people that didn't volunteer but then sat over there and complained about what right. the committee had Exactly. So I knew a lot of them. And you said, you said the magic word, and that is the word mentor. You were mentored and you were shepherded through this process. Do you advocate that kind of process for the second language teachers in your district? Do you have an actual oh. program or are you creating one? Well, we don't have an actual program at each campus because I can't do it all. I can't take care of all of them. But at each campus, they do assign a new teacher in a particular department, in our case, world languages, someone else in that department to mentor them and help them. Honestly, they all do chip in and help, of course, because they're usually about 12 to 14 teachers in a department, and the department chair is there to also help 
and they work very closely with the new teachers and really help them get through and survive and I think they do a really good job and of course I'm always there to help too but I'm not there on a day-to-day -day basis with them so I think they do have a pretty good little mentoring informal mentoring program going. Susan, where did you uh, study language and, and why did you get interested in Spanish? <laughs> Um, actually, Spanish was the only language that was offered in my high school back in my little town in Arkansas. So that's what I took. And I had a father who said, you will take all four years of Spanish. No questions. You will do it. And so I did, never in, the wild, in my wildest dreams thinking I would end up being a Spanish teacher. In my little town, I was told that with a language, all you could do was be a flight attendant or a teacher. And, or read a menu. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I'm too short to be a flight attendant. So I thought, well, okay, I'll think about education. And then I, and I did, and then I moved to the big city of Dallas and discovered there were a multitude of things you could do with another language. But I've really enjoyed teaching over the years and and letting the kids, informing the kids about all the different things you can do about language, with language. But I'm sorry, Tom, to go back to your question. I, I studied at the University of Arkansas, and then I got my master's in Spanish at the University of Texas in Arlington, which is here in the Metroplex. And I traveled to Mexico one summer um, that my high school teacher took us and went to school for a couple of weeks. And then I just love to travel. I've always loved to travel. I had an aunt and uncle that lived in Durango, Mexico, for many years and worked. I'm not Hispanic, but I just got the love of being able to talk to other people and listen in on conversations and um, travel. So that's what happened to me. So the, with all the interest in Spanish that there is in the United States, do you find it very challenging there to to keep the other languages alive with enrollment? Uh, for example, French, German, um, uh, Chinese, every other language. Is it difficult to to motivate the kids to to take other languages, or is it pretty well divided? The interest. No, it's difficult. Um, I have two teachers, in fact, at one campus that next year do not have a full load. One is a French teacher, one is a Latin teacher. Now, on the other hand, at another campus, I have a Latin teacher who has more kids than she can handle. So the Latin teacher from the um, lower number campus is going to travel next year and go between the two campuses to pick up the load. The French teacher, I don't know what's gonna happen. She only has enough students next year for one or two classes, I've actually suggested that she go to our alternative school one uh, during the semester, during the year for one class period because we have students in our learning center or alternative school, if you will, that very often get over there, they're doing well over there, but they do not have their language requirement to graduate on the recommended plan. And of course, as you know, it's very difficult to make that work because they're in a separate building in the middle of town somewhere separate separated from any of the high school campuses so i've suggested that she could go over there and teach french one in the fall and french two in the spring 
and help those kids out so that they can get their language requirement. And I think that's actually going to happen. That and we may use some of the online Chinese for those kids. That's good. And you're pretty proactive, it seems, Susan. Can you tell me how many students you average in a classroom in the high schools? Or do you have a variety of numbers? Uh, it's a variety of numbers. This year, and again, like I mentioned earlier, because of budget cuts, if we lost a teacher, they didn't rehire. They just kind of spread the kids out among what we had. So I've had a few Spanish classes that had up to 34 in the fall. Uh, then the spring, the numbers are a little lower. We've had anywhere from 25 to 29. Mm -hmm. The French and Latin and German and ASL classes are all less than that. Levels one and two can get pretty big, as you can imagine, 27, sure. 28 kids, you know, but after that, the numbers go down. So, what, Susan, why, why would a student want to study a world language, and especially uh, living in the United States, where we know that, uh, unfortunately, that uh, we many times are monolingual and we don't uh, uh, diversify enough to be maybe bilingual with many people. So how do we get that message across? Why study another language, especially, let's say, French or German or, or Arabic or Chinese, whatever? So why do we need to do that? Well, of course, you're talking to preaching to the choir when people talk about that. I think it's the most important course they can take. The heck with math and science and all of that stuff, you know. I, the world is flat, I mean, and the world is getting smaller and smaller, and we're sitting here talking, and just two weeks ago, I did a demo uh, with a man in Beijing, you know, and what can you say? They have got to know another language, no matter what it is, to succeed in the 21st century. And I'm looking at our little first graders now that are gonna be having jobs in 30 years that we haven't even thought of yet. Exactly right. And they're all, I mean, it's just amazing to me how fast things are moving. We're I've got teachers who are sometimes talking to people in other countries with their kids, Skyping or using Illuminate or whatever, much less email. Email's kind of getting passe now, you know. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy. I think kids have got to be, to be successful in the world. They have got to know other languages. They're going to be talking to people all over the world. Yes, in Texas, Spanish is the biggie, you know, mm -hmm. still. But French, German, those are major countries and major languages in the UN, in Europe, you know, they have got to know it. And, and if economics, right, China. if economics is, is any indicator, people should start learning uh, Brazilian Portuguese because Brazil is becoming the most important, if not at this present time, a very important ally commercially of uh, in the Western Hemisphere for the United States and even beyond that. So learning uh, Brazilian Portuguese, I think, would be a great idea. But the next thought is, if you really want people to start thinking in terms of communicating effectively in a language, Susan, what kinds of um, protocols and what kinds of language strategies do you suggest your, your teachers use for them to really learn the language rather than just be able to conjugate their verbs, estar and ser, and uh, être and ist and all of that? I mean, what, what kinds of communicative skills do you really espouse in the second language classrooms? 
I'm, I'm laughing because my teachers all know that grammar is a four-letter <laughs> word to me. I just, I hated it when I was in school, and I haven't figured out yet why a student needs to know preterite, the terms preterite and imperfect or past subjunctive. I, I think they need to know how to use them. Right. But I don't care if they know the title, name of them or not. So we try to do, and I, that's a constant job that's one of my constant things I'm working on with the teachers because a lot of them are still want to teach the way they were taught which is conjugating verbs you know, chapter by that. chapter what's in the text yes that's and unfortunate I, yeah. will, I will admit we have tried to skip around um, in the book and we have gone to a more thematic approach but that is difficult also because then you run into the problem of you try to use the listening activity from chapter eight, but the kids don't know the vocabulary yet. It's not mm -hmm. like it's a language they already right. know. But so we are working on, you know, all of those issues. I do really try to encourage them to have the kids do a lot of interpersonal speaking, you know, with each other. Um, they also do, a, and whether it's speaking or writing, you know, we, in fact, we're one of our performance-based assessments is a little writing block where they write back and forth and comment on what each other have said. But um, that I really, really work with the teachers on getting the kids talking. The kids would rather talk to themselves and talk to Absolutely. Us. Well, you're, a, you're in the right cafe. I'm interrupting Tom again, but he'll let me, because Tom's work fits perfectly with what you're trying to do. And amazingly enough, I'm sure that since you know Tom, you know the it's over 300 pieces of literature that he's done, including videos and tapes and things like that. Uh, as, a, as an anecdotal story, I can tell you that one of my very, very uh, formal colleagues who likes to stay with that book just picks out Tom's things and she says, Margarita, I have to use this because the students like it better than the textbook. And that's, that's the fun part. And she uses it as if it were, you know, the Bible. And we, that is a good thing. So do you use any of Tom's things? This is not a commercial, by the way, Susan. But at the same time, ha have you had any success promoting Tom's materials or giving them an idea as to how you can learn the difference between the preterite and the imperfect by having a conversation with Jose Fonseca or somebody uh, on the street? Yeah corner how, how do you do that yes actually I had Tom come down gosh how long has it been Tom four or five years ago uh, four years ago I think yeah four he years. turned them on their heads didn't he yes he and did yes money grant and I had money to bring in people like Tom and I brought him in in March I think it was that year and I had several teachers, several, a lot, tell me afterwards how much they enjoyed the day with Tom, and they bought a lot of his materials, and I had already, over the years, bought several of his books when I was teaching, and, um, and used them with my classes, and I know I had one person come up to me and say, this was such a great day and such a fun day, and you know, at this time of the year when we're all starting to drag, and we're looking, we're getting, they're getting itis, spring itis, like the kids do, you know, and they said, this was just wonderful, and I know a lot, every now and then, my teachers will say, oh, I got another Tom Alsa book. <laughs> yeah, he changes the ho-hum to the aha. Uh -huh. okay, that's the way it goes. That's very nice. But I want to move on to another Maybe question. you'll send us some, Tom. You can send us some complimentary copies, right? That yeah, sounds good. I'll work on that. All right. 
So I want to... I'm Notice how he changed the topic. Go ahead. I want to move on to another topic. Um, I knew it. The, the other night, um, uh, I had supper with uh, a teacher, and we call her Addie. She's a professor at the University of Indianapolis of Multicultural Education. And, uh, and her uh, uh, boyfriend, they're actually getting married here in a couple weeks, about a month. Uh, Jimmy, who teaches at a middle school uh, in, in a pretty low economic neighborhood in, 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 in Indianapolis. But we were talking about motivating students uh, today and the challenge that it is for the teachers to still do the interactive uh, message and get the, the kids doing hands-on activities using language and then doing the technology and trying to keep a balance of what goes on in the classroom. And uh, I, I've heard that many times, actually, the last six months. Have you noticed that? Is it becoming more of a challenge to, to keep the interactive human um, interaction going with the technology? Um, I haven't noticed that. In fact, we've, I don't know, I see more and more of my teachers using, of course, technology in the classroom, smart boards, document cameras, you know, of course, they've been doing PowerPoints for several years, and that can get old after a while. But I think they really enjoy it. And the kids are really enjoying it, and I don't see that loss so much. No. I could see so where you, it's you still you still see a good balance with the yeah the, I, the let's say the small group interactive things yes. and the technology. So there's a good balance. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems to be what people are saying. Although uh, I, I suppose it depends on the schools, but but apparently uh, that still seems to be uh, pretty much what people are saying. Um, so, Susan, what makes a really great world language teacher? If you could describe a, a really top world language teacher in the classroom, what do they do that's different from maybe somebody who's not quite as good? What, what's the big difference there? Aside you know, from the Tom gene. I, I'm sorry? Aside from the Tom gene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it if it's any different from just being a good teacher, period. I mean, it's got to be someone who loves the subject area and who's pretty darn good at it. I'd say it's, you know, an advanced low anyway. But it's got to be somebody who's, who's organized, who's a planner, but who loves the kids and loves being with the kids, um, who's willing to try new things. I do run into that problem sometimes with a few folks, you know. Um, but who's willing to use a variety of strategies, be it music or whatever. Um, my students used to love music. I spent a fortune on CDs over the years, you know, and I, but it worked. It really worked well. And I was, I think, the only person in my department who did that, and the kids loved it. It's got to be somebody who's willing to do whatever it takes to make to help the kids be successful and that's true in any course yeah, I, I, I like what you said about the passion you know, that the teacher has to have plus 
being a risk taker because in uh, trying new things uh, because that that really makes the classroom really really come alive when the teacher goes in and says oh we're going to try something new we're going to do something different and uh, that, that's really great uh, the, the, this idea of, of risk taking and it kind of reminds me of that uh, Thomas Friedman book uh, that he wrote The World is Flat where he, he called, really throws a, a call out to the language establishment uh, and to education establishment to look for new ways to do things and uh, to try to make the, the world being flat that we're all together in this with the technology all over the world and that to explore creative ways um, to teach and also to learn things uh, creatively and not just rote memory of things. Um, right. So. That's uh, why I bought your books, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why I bought your books. Oh, That's right. very interesting. And you know something, Susan, one of the things that we talk a lot about is culture and cultural awareness. You have culture with a big C, culture with a, a little C. And as far as Texas is concerned, of course, you have a marvelous collection of cultural riches there from, from Mexico to Central America and so forth. How do you suggest or how do you propose to your teachers that they incorporate the cultural piece in their classes? We've tried to, um, well, of course, and again, the textbook. The textbooks always have lots of the, the little blurbs on culture, and of course, those are the little C's, and they use all of those and talk about all of those. But we've also tried to incorporate uh, some bigger ideas, um, creating, I don't know, for example, on one of our Spanish tests, we have the teachers wrote a couple of paragraphs about Christmas in Spain as opposed to Christmas here in the United States. And then we asked the students some questions about that, like, what did you think about that? Which would you prefer? Why do you think they do it that way? You know, trying to get them to think a little bit about it instead of just reading. On January 6th, students, you know, get goodies from the Three Kings or Correct. something like that right. instead of from Santa Claus. So we have been really trying as we work on our curriculum, which is an ongoing process, to incorporate a, few, a little bit more of that. I have discovered that some of the teachers don't, and this, I don't know where this problem comes from, if it's education in high school, college, or what, but a lot of my teachers don't know a lot of things that I've learned over the years, and probably mine was a combination of years of experience and the fact that I had a double major in Spanish and social studies. So I know a lot, I was always able to pull in a lot of the history and culture that way um, and a lot of my teachers I've discovered don't know that and they've actually asked me could I could I have some little classes on that they were stunned that my students were able to talk about when 9-11 occurred my students immediately said oh that's like when the Moors invaded Spain in 7-11 and we taught because we had talked about all that right. and I discovered I have teachers who don't really have that background information. That's exactly so right. We do have some work to do. Susan, where, where is your favorite place to visit outside the United States? What's your I'll, favorite I'll, country? I, well, of course, I have to say Spain. But I love, I love France. I love England, London. 
I, you know, Tom, I pretty much enjoy everywhere I go. I just, um, I love traveling. I, you know, luckily I was able to take students to Europe a lot in the summer. So I, and I just kind of said, where do you want to go? Twist my arm, you know, let's go. And so I've traveled pretty much all over Europe and been to China. And um, I, I just love traveling. Um, you were talking about China, your program. If you mm -hmm. need a connection, one of our guests, um, I have to connect with him yet, but I'm hopeful he's going to be on our show, uh, is a former middle school principal who retired to China, and he now oh. teaches English in China. And uh, oh. so if you would like, when, once I uh, uh, chat with him, I'll try to send you his email address. Perhaps okay. it could be a big resource for you. That's a and great I idea. And I understand he loves China and loves the language and, and, and everything about China. So what I'm sure would be a great resource for you. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Another thing, too, that is really crucial to the success of any program, aside from the passion and focus of the people who are teaching and the students who are learning, is the support of the community. How, how would you describe this community support in your area? Do you have a lot of parent involvement? Do you have a lot of outreach for them? Do you invite them into various and sundry functions? How does that work, Susan? You know, and that's an area that I need to improve upon. Really, the only, I guess, I, we do a couple of things. I do a couple of things. We have our middle school Spanish contest every spring, and we invite the teachers, get parents to come, and teachers and principals or whomever, to come and help with that. We use them whether they know Spanish or not. The ones who know Spanish, we use them for judges, the ones who don't. We use them for hall monitors to keep those little 7th and 8th graders in check. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems to help quite a bit. I get a lot of positive feedback from those parents that are helping with that, and they always say they'll be willing to help the next year, even though their child is going to be going on to high school. Um, another thing that I try to do that seems to go over pretty well is whenever the um, – Students go to contests, any contests. Um, it's springtime, so we've had FET, FONSE, we've had uh, National German Exam, you know, we've had the Latin kids have gone to their state contest. <clears throat> and I always try to have them and their parents recognized at school board meetings. And that's the end. The kids get a little certificate and the parents get recognized too. And that seems to be a little helpful. That's good. Quote you know thing to do may i suggest something that i did on several occasions that was absolutely fabulous and yeah. i'll be happy to come down and visit with you and we can make it happen or i can we can just talk about it we had a quinceanera for our students and the, oh. the requirement was that they be 15 years old and we did it in the uh, authentic way where the young lady was 15 she had her uh, beau her uh, novio and the fathers and mothers came and we had an mm -hmm. absolutely outstanding time what we did was enlist the, the help of everybody in the community who was interested in having a party but this was a great party we got yeah. our um, organization together and had our group 
uh, musical area, our, our musicians in class, or in the, in the class, in the high school, play. Uh, one of the fathers was a butcher, so he brought a baron of beef. Everybody brought food. We had the girls getting their dresses, but the fun part, Susan, was that they had their hair done at the local beauty school for free. They had their makeup done by, I can't say the name, but it was a cosmetic, national, international firm cosmetic group from our local store, which did it for free. We went to the tuxedo folks. They got the boys tuxedos for $5, and we taught the parents how to waltz. And they washed with their daughters, and they also learned the dance of the panuelos, which is the original dance where the girls have to not touch another person's hand, but they have to use the little hanky, the little panuelito. And, it, and then we had entertainment from one of the local folkloric, uh, folkloric uh, dance groups. And people are still talking about it. As a matter of fact, I introduced one of my students, who was a senior, to another student. I, she didn't have a date. And uh, so when he came down the road, he was from the local college. It was his first year. And I said, hi, Daniel, how are you? What are you doing next Friday? He said, nothing. I said, well, you're coming to the quinceañera. I introduced him to her. Guess what? Fifteen years later, they have two beautiful children. She is a water engineer. He's an attorney. And they say it was Margarita's fault that all of this happened just because of the quinceañera. So anytime you want some uh, suggestions, I know Tom has done similar things. It really makes for a difference. It just unifies bonds, gets everybody together, and they will never forget their quinceañera. We also have yeah. the queen of the quinceañera, the girl who was elected by everybody to be number one. And, and they have the court as well, the girls who are not 15 but are elected to be on the court. Okay. It, it's gorgeous. Okay, and I'll be quiet now, Tom. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime, Susan, Susan it works. I, I have another question about, uh, well, this is all totally off the, the, the path of, of world language, but really it isn't because this is an international sport. But uh, I know Soccer. You're, I, no, no. Uh, you are highly interested in racing. And so is Michael, your husband, right? So, yeah. and I, I know you do know that the biggest, best race in the world is coming up in about a month here in Indianapolis. The, what uh, could the, that be, Tom? The hundredth running of the Indianapolis 500, which, uh, by all purposes, is the biggest sporting event, single-day sporting event in the world, with an estimated attendance of half a million people uh, in one day. So, um, Susan. You're probably a little prejudiced, so you probably don't think that's the case, right? Yes, and of course, you know, we're although we love my husband loves any kind of car racing, but we tend to go more NASCAR because that's what we get down here more. Although we have the Indy cars coming in June, uh -huh. so we'll be going to that. But, but we yeah, did, yes, thanks to Tom. Tom took us to. We went to Indianapolis a few years ago, and Tom took us to the Brickyard 400 there at the race. He raceway. took me to Indianapolis once, too. That, it wasn't during the race. It was when it was empty, but it was very, very impressive. 
Another thing I just thought of, may I say it, Tom, please? What we did was for our classes, because we had French, German, Spanish, and Russian, we had uh, soccer tournaments between the uh, German, Spanish, Russian, and French students, and uh, that was interesting. It happened in the spring because our coach was an enthusiast of soccer, and he was also a Spanish teacher by mini-trade, and so we had soccer tournaments with our students. That might be of interest to you. The, uh, we, uh, go ahead, Susan. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, we did, one year we got the Spanish club versus the French club, right. the German club, the Latin club, you know, uh -huh. and did a similar thing um, of various activities, just not soccer, but we just did the, oh, what do you call it, like the three-legged races <laughs> and the Great. carrying the egg, you know, and the spoon and all of that, and in uh, the practice field behind the school. And that was a lot of fun. Good, 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 good. Uh, I would a couple of items, uh, Susan. This goes way back when I was in uh, middle school teaching, and uh, we used to do uh, a thing called uh, FLEC Day, F-L-E-C Day, and it was called Four Language Exploration Competition Day, and we invited the middle schools to to the middle school I was at, and we had an all-day competition on Saturday, and then. Um, Later, at the same school, we did. We used to do um, a Grand Prix wagon race, <laughs> and for all languages. And the kids, one student pulled a little red wagon around, and another student was in the wagon. And they wore helmets, and they had to have everything they said. They had to say in the language: uh, Spanish, French, yeah. German, or Latin. And uh, it became a really big, pretty big event. And the principal would pull the one wagon, and the pace lap, and they had a pit crew. It was quite a deal. So, Gee. and it ended up being in foreign language annals. Uh, both the activities, uh, uh -huh. about the activities in those days. And the funny thing was the the Louvre and in uh, not the Louvre, the um, um, what's the Sorbonne in Paris uh, actually did the event somehow, and they were uh -huh. all excited and they took the idea. But it, it was quite an idea about racing, and we. We kind of got racing into things here back in May in those days uh, with with, it, with language. It was quite a deal. Um, uh -huh. I, now, um, the uh, so this racing uh, <laughs> thing, have you ever seen a race in another country? Um, no, not really. Not a car, not a car race in Formula One or anything like right. that. So we've only been we have our season tickets to texas motor speedway here so that's three weekends of racing throughout the year we just had one a couple of weekends ago and um, we've been of course with you to indianapolis to the brickyard and we've been to the nascar races in phoenix once because my stepdaughter lives out there so uh -huh. we took them one time and that's that's it. But you know, of course, whenever we go anywhere in the United States where there's a stadium, my husband has to go and see it. Yeah. So we do, we do that. I keep promising him that once I'm retired, whenever that is, we'll try to go around to some of the other races and see them. Now, if anybody would like to, when the, the when the show is over, those of you who come to the archive uh, to section of Tom's War Language Cafe to, to uh, listen to the program. You can download this uh, in MP3 format by right-clicking where it says uh, MP3, right-click, and you can download the MP3 and keep it on your computer 
as well and keep the broadcast uh, and or follow it on on uh, Twitter as well and it's it's radio uccs.edu uh, for all of you people who are really uh, online radio enthusiasts uh, it's quite a program which Marge uh, helps a tremendous amount there uh, with, with that particular program, uh, many of the programs actually online. Um, well, I, I want to say, uh, Susan, it has been a delight and pleasure to have you in the program, and you were so, so informative about uh, what a world language uh, uh, coordinator does and all the programs in Louisville, and we thank you very, very much, and uh, hope that uh, we'll have you back again someday as, an, yes, as a thank guest. You, Tom. And, thank uh, you. and if anybody, Susan, wants to get in touch with you about uh, visiting your classes, how can they do that? Uh, probably email is the best way. All my right. email is my last name, W-R-E-N-N, -N, and then S for Susan, at L-I-S-D. Dot net for Louisville Independent School District. Dot net. L I F as in yes. Frank D. No S School F. District. Okay, got it. L I S D. That sounds yes. wonderful, Susan. Thank you so much for being yeah. with us. Uh, Susan, and uh, we'll again, expect Tom's you. package uh, in the and, mail. And say I, say hello to Michael for me. And I will. Uh, and you say hello to Jill. I will. And uh, we thank you again. And Marge, thank you so much. And th thanks to. Uh, UCCS for for doing this program. And this is an exciting program, Susan. People people really need to listen to Tom and his friends because you have a wealth of information to share, and I'm very very honored to be able uh, to help that make that happen. I want I want to put a plug in uh, for some of the upcoming guests next week, May the fourth. Uh, we have the Big D coming on. John D'Amato is going to be here. Next Wonderful. Week. Wonderful. Uh, John D'Amato, and then we also are going to be having um, Barbara Reichenbach, who now teaches at Ohio University, uh, and after that, Lori Winnie, uh, who's going to be at the Ohio uh, World Language Camp, and we're going to have a live broadcast with some of the students there. Uh, we also have um, Madame Fifi, uh, Sue Fenton, who's going to be on uh, with us in July, and uh, we also have uh, my friend uh, in China who's going to be on. Uh, and some other people, and uh, hopefully this summer from Madrid. Uh, Absolutely. And, and Mexico down in Guadalajara. So um, a lot of interesting guests coming up, so please tune in. Uh, it's Tom's World Language Cafe at radiouccs.edu, uh, and at the, the broadcaster archive. Marge, do you have anything else? No, I'd just like to thank everybody for tuning in to UCCS Radio because we are the online radio voice of the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs, located at the foot of snow-packed majestic Pikes Peak. Thanks. And we also have other folks to thank the College of Business because they strive for excellence in your educational development and business career. They're making that happen. We have the Bethel College of Nursing and Health Sciences providing leadership for new directions in health promotion and wellness, and also the College of Engineering sharing sponsorship for illumination, investigation, and innovation, and the College of Education, a premier learning community of teachers, leaders, and counselors who contribute positively to a global society. And of course, we have Tom, who is one of our best, best guys 
ever. And uh, 30 years of knowing Tom has sainted me as well as given me so many things to share with my students. So Susan will be talking to you. Have a marvelous, marvelous week. And uh, hope you enjoy listening to the program. Yes, I did. Thank you. Thank you, you everybody. Have a great week. Yeah. Thanks to the listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye bye. 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 Bye.